Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. The title of my message is How Great is Our God? How Great is our God. And, and it, you know, we've, you, maybe you've heard the, the song, How great is our... It's trying to sound like Corey up in here. <laughs> you know, I, I've listened, I've listened, I've listened and I've noticed we have a lot of, like, choir-type singers in the crowd, like John Lang, myself, like BJ. Like, we can make it on the choir. <laughs> like, could we make it leading? Probably not. But we could make it on the choir. <laughs> BJ's like, what are you talking about? I could lead. BJ's, BJ's got a great voice. Anyways, I digress. How great is our God? We hear that. We know the song. Uh, but, but the title of the message isn't a rhetorical question tonight. The title of the message is actually a, mess- is, is a title that I want us all to kind of really look in, inward and go, how great is our God? How great do I, do I actually believe he is? Like how great do I, not just what I say, but how about how I act? How about how I operate? How I believe? Do I act, how great do I actually think and believe that God really is? And I don't say it to shame you. I don't say it. Say it. I don't want us to leave here going, "Oh, I'm a terrible Christian. I don't even believe in it." No, that's not the point. But I think that if we really want to see miracle signs, wonders, if we really want to see who God really is operated, if we really want to be people who bring heaven to earth, we've got to really have a good grip, a really good understanding, not only here but in here, and it should show up out here of how great our God really is. Okay. Yeah. So 1 Samuel chapter 13, some context. Uh, King Saul, he's pretty fresh at this whole king thing, right? And, uh, and so he's, you know, he's, he's the first king. So he doesn't have like other kings to look towards or to be like, oh, how did he do it? How did they do it? He's the guy, right? Um, and, uh, and he's been anointed, he's been chosen, and, you know, he's tall and he's handsome and he's wealthy and, you know, he's kind of like probably Corey Ross, I would assume, you know? <laughs> and so, and so, he's, uh, and so he's, he's, and he's the king and he's had some success, and, and here in 1 Samuel 13, he's kind of getting into a bit of a battle, right? Have, have anybody ever faced a bit of a battle? Yeah, me too, me too. And, uh, and, 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 and so here we're going to pick it up in verse 7. This is what it says. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilgad. Meanwhile, Saul stayed in Gilgad and his men were trembling with fear. His men were trembling with fear. We see that again, by the way, uh, down the road when they're afraid of Goliath, right? Okay, so anyways, so they're trembling with fear. Verse 8, Saul waited there for seven days for Samuel. 
as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel didn't come, still hadn't come. Okay, now, Samuel's the prophet, right? So he had the king, and then there was the priest, right? We had the the king, he was King Saul, then we had the priest, and that was the prophet Samuel. And so the way this was supposed to operate was the king was to rule over the the land, rule over the people. He was going to govern, he was going to lead, and and then the prophet was going to be the mouthpiece of God. And so when when God would speak, he would speak through the prophet. He would speak through the the priest. And and the king, if he was going to be successful, he would have to do what? He would have to listen to God. He would have to listen to God, and, and, and he'd have to obey him. So Samuel had instructed him, hey, wait for me. But uh, after Samuel had waited seven days, it says that, uh, that he, you know, he didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So things were not going so great. Verse 9. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering and Saul, uh, offerings, and Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Everybody just say himself. All right. Verse 10. Just as Saul was finished with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Uh oh. Oh, hey, here. Hi. <laughs> Samuel arrived, Saul went out to meet him and welcome him, but Samuel said, what is this that you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and I didn't know when you'd come. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't know you, hello, whoa. I saw my, I saw my men scattering from me, and I, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines were at Michmash, ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgad, and I haven't even asked the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. I think it's interesting that in his disobedience, he tried to look holy. Well, I just wanted to ask God for help. But God already told you to wait. Yeah, but I was nervous because I, well, all these excuses, right? I'm just saying, listen, I'm talking to myself too. So just, okay. Verse 13, how foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. It wasn't Saul's job to do the offering. That was the priest's job. All that Samuel was called to do was wait, to listen, to obey, to obey the command that God had given. Okay. Mm -hmm. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom forever over Israel. But now your kingdom must end For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Ouch. Like I remember reading, I've read this several times, right? And and every time I'm like, this just seems harsh. (laughs) I mean, his army was scattering. Like, this was scary stuff. Like, could you really blame him? He just wanted your help after all. And the guy was late. Like, you know, like he was late. 
Seven days. He wasn't seven minutes. It was seven days. Saul's patiently waiting. Seven days. I bet like day five, he's like, he's going to show up today. I know he's going to show up. And then boom, no, sh- no show. At some point, Saul's like, you know what? I'm just going to have to take this into my own hands. All right. Then we go into a different king, King David. King David. Now, I could show you uh, different times, real-life examples in Scripture where David waits on God, but instead I want to show you in Psalm uh, 19. I want to show you what, Saul, what David, or Psalm 18, sorry, what David, uh, David has this song and, uh, and really, the thing I love about it is it actually gets into the inner dialogue that David has. And the, thing that this is, the reason this is so powerful is this is the inner dialogue that you and I need to have if we're really going to understand how great our God really is and operate in that. And so, I'm going to read, this is, I'm gonna read the, whole, the whole chapter, so bear with me. So, Psalm 118, starting in verse 1, it says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. I'm going to read it back there, so keep going with me. Here we go. Let all Israel repeat. Israel is at this point now, right? Israel is like the church, okay? So now this is talking directly to us. Let all Israel repeat. His faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let all who fear the Lord repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Now, I want to just highlight that word real quick, fear, okay? Let all who fear the Lord. First, he was talking to the church. Then he was talking to the priests. Now, he's opening it up. Anybody who fears the Lord. Okay, we'll come back to that. Keep going. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. David is showing that he's got some distress. He's showing his inner dialogue. In moments where I was distressed, in moments where I was afraid, in moments where things were caving in on me, where I didn't know if I could pay the bills, if I didn't know I'd get through the day, that I didn't know if I'd get the promotion or the new job, I didn't know if the thing would come through the way I hoped that it would. In my distress, what did I do? I took it in my own hands. No. I prayed to the Lord. And the Lord answered me and set me free. Keep going. The Lord is for me. This is, his, this is the dialogue of King David, a, a king after God's own heart, somebody who's, whose dynasty never ended. You know what I'm saying? The Lord is for me. He said, the Lord is for me. In my distress, when things were caving in, when things didn't look good, I know that God is for me. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Keep going. Yes, the Lord is for me. I think sometimes he's talking himself into it. Like he's talking himself into it, right? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. You can tell he's starting to get a little bit of a swagger. 
You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, God is for me. Frick. If, he, if, he's, if he's for me, then who or what can be against me? You know what I'm saying? Like, his chest is puffing up. He's, he's not trembling like Saul. <laughs> Shaking some religion on. Let's go. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Keep going. Oh, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. What's he saying? He's saying that it doesn't matter if I've got support. It doesn't matter if I've got somebody encouraging me here in this life that is saying, hey, I'm with you, I'm supporting you. It doesn't matter if your boss is like trying to promote you. It doesn't matter. He's saying it is better to trust in the Lord than to trust in people or to trust in princes. Remember, this is coming from the man who ran away from the king, Saul, who's trying to kill him for years. He couldn't trust in the people around him. Anyways, verse 10. Through hostile, na- though hostile nations surround me, I destroy them all woo, with the authority of the Lord. Yes, they surround me and attack me, but I destroyed them all with my sword, with my slingshot, with my fist, with my wisdom with my craft, with my money. No, I destro- they surrounded me and they attacked me. Oh, I think you went, let's go back. Hang, verse 10. Yeah, I destroyed them with what? The authority of the Lord. He trusted in God so much. He understood how powerful God was so much that he attributes his victory to the authority of God through him. I destroyed them, right? I destroyed them with your authority. All right, keep going. Yes, they surrounded me and attacked me, but I destroyed them with your authority, with the authority of the Lord. Keep going. They swarmed around me like bees. They, bla- uh, they blazed against me like a crackling fire. I think it's really important to realize, Awaken Church, that he didn't ignore the problem. I think sometimes we forget, sometimes we act like we're not allowed to have issues. Right? Oh, because I'm supposed to be this faith-filled, Bible-believing Christian who's going to walk in authority. I'm not going to have any problems. And then if, but, 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 David, David was like, shoot, things are bad. I'm distressed. It's like bees swarming around me. It's like a, like a crackling fire around me. He's feeling the pressure. He's feeling the sting. Things are not that great. And yet he says, but I destroyed them with the authority of the Lord. He didn't ignore the problem. He faced it dead on with the authority of the Lord. All right. Next verse. My enemies did their best to kill me. They got Chuck Norris out. They were like, you know, (laughs) they were, you know what I'm saying? My enemies did their best. They filed the foreclosure papers. The divorce papers were sent out. They did their best to take me out. The contract was dead. The people mocked me. 
You ever feel like the enemy's just doing, their, doing his darndest, working overtime? David felt the same way. My enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. But the Lord rescued me. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has given me victory. Ooh. Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. Ooh. How encouraging would it be to be at the camp with David as they're taking territory and winning? And oh, wait a second, you know what I bet, I bet it feels like? I bet it feels like a Sunday or a Wednesday at Awaken Church. <laughs> Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly on Tuesday morning with the men gathered together and they lift up the name of Jesus. On, on Thursdays, when the women gather and they lift up the name of Jesus, the joy and victory, songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things bragging on what he's done, believing for what he's going to do. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Come on, Chris Mehmet. The Lord worked overtime, or the enemy worked overtime, tried to kill you on the road in a motorcycle crash. What, 16 months ago? Now all of a sudden you're playing freaking, you didn't even know how to play the, the drums. The Lord has punished me severely. Did I want to take that out? I did. I was like, delete. But I think it's really cool. Because how many of you know that David wasn't perfect? How many of you know that David messed up? How many of you know that there was a season where God went, oof, son, gosh, you're dumb. And I love you, but your action has consequence. Quit blaming the devil for when God is showing consequence for a stupid thing that you did. Anyway, the Lord has punished me severely, but he didn't let me die. Why? Because he's a good God. He knows what you need to get corrected. He knows, you know, if, if Pastor Matt pulls you in and says, hey, I got to call you on some stuff, don't get all mad at him. Take the correction and go, you know what? He's not going to kill me. He's going to strengthen me. He's going to make me better. All right. Verse 19, open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. Mm. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. I thank you for the answering my prayer and giving me victory. He's thankful. He's giving credit to God. He's entering into a place of thanksgiving. Then he says, the stone that the builders rejected have now become the cornerstone. Listen, David is so flowing in the spirit of God. He just begins to prophesy about Jesus. And, and I think it's so cool. I wonder, did he even know what he was saying? Probably not. How, how epic is it when we begin to, to really dive into worship and really begin to have this sort of 
of inner dialogue, and all of a sudden, God begins to pour out his spirit. We begin to prophesy, and we don't even know what we're prophesying for. We're speaking in tongues, and this is the amazing thing about, okay, I got, I got two minutes. I got to hurry. Okay. <laughs> this is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on. Please, Lord. Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of our Lord. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Church, this is the dialogue. These are, the, these are the types of things that should be in our minds. This is how we really walk in and understand the glory of God. How, just how amazing he really is. <laughs> See, David trusts, trusted God. He trusted God more than his circumstance. He trusted God more than the things that were being said to him or the things that were happening to him. He trusted that God was greater than any other thing. He trusted that that was true. How great is our God? Last Wednesday in worship, I got this vision. And the vision that I got was a big um, balancing table. Is that what those things are called? Like the, or the weight, you know, you balance, huh? Scale, thank you. Mm-hmm. I almost called Corey and asked him to make one, but then I was like, I don't even know what it's called. Can you make the... And what I saw was, I saw this incredible weight coming down from heaven. And it hit, and it hit the scale. And when it hit the scale, everything shifted. Do you know what I'm saying? The weight from heaven came down and it tilted the scale. And I thought about that for a little bit. And I thought, okay, God, what, what are you doing? And he asked me a question. He said, Vince, how much weight do you give me? How much weight do you give me? I was driving faster than the speed limit on my way here. Pastor Matt knows because I see him almost every Sunday and I'm like coming up right behind him. He's, been, he's going the speed limit because he's godly. I'm like going 60 on... 106. <laughs> and my daughter goes, hey, what are you going to talk about at church? 
I said, how much weight do you give God? In her little nine-year-old brain, she has no idea. How much, what are you talking about? 400 trillion pounds? I don't, I don't know. How much weight do you give God? Now listen, hold it. I love you. Maybe you're a better golfer than I give you credit. I don't know. But I'm going to assume that you're probably fairly average. Okay. If Holden gives me some advice on how to strike the ball better and how to be a better golfer, I'm probably not going to give that a lot of weight. Now, if BJ gives me advice on how to be a better golfer, the man held a PGA card. He played professional golf, so and he'll tell you all about it. So if I... <laughs> That's what I love about you, though. And so if I'm looking for for critique on my golf game, I'm going to go to BJ, and what he says to me is going to carry a lot of weight. It's going to carry a lot of weight. I don't care what Holden says about my golf swing. I care about what BJ says. Right? Chad, great guy, smart guy, right? Talented guy. And maybe I'm not giving you credit, but I'm going to assume that you might not be the right person for me to come and talk to you about my taxes. Instead, I'm going to go to my CPA. And I'm going to let what my CPA says about my how to file my taxes and how to structure things. He's the guy. He carries the weight in the conversation. I don't care what Chad has to say. He's probably just trying to regurgitate it from his CPA. He doesn't know. Right? Cody. Good looking guy. Probably pretty smart. But I'm doing a big renovation on my house. And if he gives me some advice on what to do, guess what? it's not going to carry the weight that my contractor Beaver says because I trust him and the weight, he, he carries some weight when he says something. Right? I mean, trust me, I'm talking to him every day. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And he's constantly like, don't. <laughs> and the weight that that carries, you know what I'm saying? How much weight do we give God? You see, I think that oftentimes we give God the same weight that we give random people. I think sometimes we give media more weight than we give God or we give our own feelings more weight than we give God. And then we wonder why He's not moving. We wonder why 
He's not answering. He's wondering. And, and this, is the, this is the thing that I felt God put on my heart. He said, he said the impact on, that I have on your life is directly attributed to the weight that you give me. Push came to shove, Saul folded like a deck chair because he couldn't wait for the prophet. He took matters into his own hands. He didn't trust that God would actually do it. it. There was a delay. He waited for seven days, but he didn't wait because he couldn't. He had Because as his army was scattering and as he saw the enemy and as he saw that seven days had passed, the circumstance had more weight than when God said. And immediately God said, I can't be on that. I can't be on that. And Saul stayed in power and Saul was still the king for however many years, asked Pastor Matt, I don't know. And, and, and it was still, but it was just a placeholder until David rose up. Because it was David who had, who was a man after God's own heart. It was David who gave God his right weight. That's why when David was able, that's why David, when he went to the, to the Philistines and he saw Goliath, he goes, who's that guy? I'm not worried about that because God has said a thing. And if he said a thing, then I believe it because there is nothing that holds more weight than what God has said. So I'm going to close with this, and then hopefully we have a little bit of time. I'd like for us to go into a song. Whatever song you want to go into would be great. I don't care. This, this, I don't want to try to recreate a moment, so I'm not asking you to do this, but it landed on me when we were singing How Great Thou Art on Wednesday night. How great thou art. Because what happens was, what happened was, as a congregation, we were lifting up the name of God. We were reminding ourselves of how great he is. We were reminding ourselves of that he's worthy of praise. We were reminding ourselves that he's the source. We were reminding ourselves that he is a great God, that there is nothing that he can't do, that he's king of kings, that he's Lord of lords, that his word is final. That is what worship will do. When the presence of God comes down, when, the, when you give him weight and he comes down, there's a reversal. The, the thing that was low becomes high and the, things that were high, the thing that was high becomes low. It's a total switch. I feel like sometimes we're looking for breakthrough and we give all of the weight to the thing that we want breakthrough for. I want a pay raise. I want a house. I want a spouse. I want, you know, whatever this thing is that we're asking God to do and all of a sudden this thing gives gets all of the weight. I can imagine that Saul is thinking to himself, I have to be undefeated. I can't have a strike against me. I can't lose this battle. And, that tempt and because of that, the temptation was to do it on his own, to take it on his own.
But when we understand how great our God is and we make him the focus of our honor, of our praise, when we exalt him, when we lift him up. Listen, Jesus says, pray like this, our Father who, out in, who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. That word means to make holy, to bring reverence to. You can't bring heaven to earth unless you have put the weight where it needs to go, right? Are we praying for miracles and yet the miracle is the thing that has the weight or is it God? And what we need to understand is when we give, when we give God the proper weight, the proper honor, the proper glory, when, we, when, it, when it becomes all about him, then he comes down and the weight that we give him is, is directly associated with how, how heavy he comes down on that scale. And the thing that, is, that you're looking for will just simply come up. And so if you're in lack, right, you're down here in lack and you bring honor and glory to God and, you, and the weight that you give God comes down down, then that lack would come up. And all of a sudden you go from lack to abundance. From sickness to healing. From sadness to joy. Do you see everything shifts? But the focus isn't on the blessing. It's not on, on, on the miracle. It's not on the problem or the situation. The focus is on God. God, you're great. God, you're powerful. God, you did it before and you'll do it again. God, I trust you and I believe you. God, it is for your honor. It is for your glory. God, to you be the honor and the glory. I exalt you. I lift you up. And then all of a sudden. So as we dive into vision builders, as we dive into this season in in summer where I believe that God is going to crack open a thing. He's already cracking open a thing. I'm telling you, I believe very strongly, Pastor Matt, that the, that the power of God that we're going to see in this campus is directly attributed to the amount of glory and honor and praise and worship and weight that we give to the Father who is in heaven. All right, so band's up here and they're gonna, I don't know, we're past time, so I don't know. I'm gonna give it to Pastor Matt in a second, but I just want you to do this. If you're here tonight and you're like me, where you're going, looking in the mirror and going, how great is my God? How, how great is he? Do I, do I actually live like he's as great as he really is? Have I given him the weight I think we should have a recalibration. That's what this week has been for me. It's a recalibration, God. So if that's you, I just want you to stand up. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.